Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. All right, so a couple weeks ago, I talked about how I love loved to listen to music. I used to listen to music all the time. Um, I would put my CD in my non-skip CD player, and I would grab the lyric book. Do you remember this? Um, Many of you probably have never bought a CD in your life, but when I was buying CDs, in the front of it, with like the... Oh! If that happens again, I might need water, but I might not. I hope not. So... um, The, the, the lyric book in the front of these CD cases, um, I, I wanted to learn the songs. I didn't want to just, you know, sing what I could find, but I wanted to learn them. However, throughout my life, in scenarios where I didn't have the lyric book, um, there are many misheard lyrics. I have had many misheard lyrics. There are many really popular ones. I looked some up to, like, find a video of, like, the best misheard lyrics, and none of them were really, like, sticking out to me. But do you know what I'm talking about by misheard lyrics? Sometimes, like, you're listening to a song, maybe you hear it all the time, it's on the radio or whatever, and there's it's something that's, like, just not quite right about it, and you're like, nah, it doesn't quite make sense. Maybe I'm mishearing something, you look it up, and you find you were just so close. Sometimes, you hear something that's, like, totally not even close to what the song is saying, and you're, like, singing, around with, singing along, and your friends are in the car, like, did you just say, like, ravioli? And they're like, that's not the words. And so you have to, like, make these big adjustments when you find out what the real word says. There's a lot of mumbling that I do in Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, this is a, that's one example. Thank you so much. <laughs> you don't like that song? Oh, it's a classic. It's, oh, no, Bohemian Rhapsody. Sorry, that's a, I thought that's what you were talking about. Um, what's that? Tell me who knows what Bohemian Rhapsody is. Put up your hand if you heard that song. No, I will not. It's, it's like nine minutes. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably know it to hear it. Um, also, there's some really good ones that are like a song in Latin that people like make up English words to. It just kind of sounds like um, eat this rat cheese, and it's, it's really, really funny. Um, check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really helps. Also, uh, Jimmy Fallon did like a tweet, tweet hashtag thing where he said like, send me your b- favorite misheard lyrics. And somebody thought that the Lion King song started with Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I thought that was a really good one. At church, we spent a lot of time in music and lyrics. We spent like, you know, half of our service just about in music. And so we believe it's important to be able to engage with God through music. It's one of the ways he's created us to worship. Uh, We have a whole book in the Bible called the Psalms that is just songs that were written to worship God through music. It's a way that we get closer to Jesus. And so we're in this series called Behind the Lyrics. If you haven't noticed, this is a little Spotify spoof. Spotify does some cool behind the lyrics, facts about, you know, the writers and, and lyrics and stuff. And so we're taking a closer look at the, the songs that we sing regularly at Apex, at Harvest, maybe you even hear some of them on the radio, some of them, like we have to look really close to see what they're actually saying because we can't just, they can't just be words passing by us on a screen, right? Like when we engage in worship with, with music, it's a way to get closer to Jesus and it's important that we use that opportunity to get closer to Jesus because your favorite worship song has more to say. It's not just about words on a screen. It's about connecting with God. And we have to remember that that's what's at stake. Like music helps us get closer to God. That's how we were designed so that music would help us to get closer to God. And if we are just watching lyrics pass us by on a screen, we're missing an opportunity. We spend a lot of time at church with music and we can't miss that opportunity to connect with Jesus. I don't want that time to be wasted. So through this series, I'm hoping that we can give you the tools you need to engage in worship through music. That's the goal. 
So we're going to talk through today two, okay, more than two, less than three songs. More than two, less than three. You'll see what I mean later. Uh, but we're going to like analyze some lyrics and see what we're actually singing. And through that process, we are going to learn how to worship with music. So let's start with a song called Anything is Possible. Anything is Possible. And right away, you might, you might start to hear some, think about scripture. You might start to think about some themes in the Bible that God says all things are possible. Some of that stuff might come to mind right away. We're going to fly through this one because I want to use it as an illustration for something. Let's look at the chorus, just the chorus. Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. So we've talked about the mountains being moved in here before, right? Because Jesus and other people at the time, rabbis, would use this as an illustration for like the most insane thing that could happen is for a mountain to be moved. Now today, we can kind of do that. So we, like we can put a tunnel through a mountain like we do some of that stuff. Um, so it's like lost on us a little bit. But the people at the time, the, most, the craziest thing that could happen would be for a mountain to be moved. And so Jesus says, with just a little tiny bit of faith, you can move a mountain. You can do something that is completely impossible talked about that before. It's in this song as well. Show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Now we've also talked about an example here from Exodus 14. We talk about the waters being parted. So this is when God uses Moses to part the sea and, and the Israelites escape. They're being pursued by the Egyptian army and they're able to go through on dry land. And then the water closes behind them and they've escaped now, the Bible, God often said, remember what I did back there? Like who was talking to the Israelites who were a mess a lot of the time, not listening to God, doing whatever they wanted. And he would say, remember how faithful I am? And they're like, please, but it's so bad right now. And he's like, remember, remember what I did for you that day. Remember who you are. Two Lion King references, one week. It's crazy. So, so God will use that as a reminder to show how powerful he is, how merciful he is, and Worship songs do that a lot. They often point back to what God did in this scenario in Exodus 14. Okay, honestly, that's all I wanted to talk about with this song. One reason is because I really want to spend some time on the next song, but the other reason is to illustrate that a lot of these themes are repeated. We see that in the Psalms. We see it in worship music today. Themes are repeated through worship music. So it's not just about understanding a couple of songs. It's about giving you the tools to, under to engage with worship no matter what the song in any kind of service. So... I also want to talk about this song. It's one of the ones that are, that's like really high on my list right now of favorite songs, and it's called Promises. Um, we're going to start out with some more stuff that you've heard before. This is in the pre-chorus. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word. I, I, was singing, I was saying it out of the rhythm of the singing, so I got caught up. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. So, We've got this storm stuff, which we've seen before in some other songs. And we're supposed to remember Matthew 8, where Jesus calmed the storm. And we're supposed to remember that even before he's calmed the storm, he is still in control. And to trust him even in the storm. And then he calms the storm and he says, disciples, what happened here? You can trust me even when the storm is crazy. You can trust me. So that's what we're supposed to remember here. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Now we've talked about faithfulness last week, right? 11 whole verses, we talked about it. Um, God is faithful over and over again. He, he fulfills his promises over and over again. He, he reminds us of how, how faithful he is. And then we have what I see as kind of a weird line, a, a concept that makes sense to me, but a weird way to say, what they're saying here. So 
the rising and the setting sun, from the rising to the, from the rising sun to the setting same. It just seems like a weird clunky way to say, you know, rising of the sun and setting of the sun. Um, and to get why it's put here, we have to look at this reference specifically. And to get this one, we got to go old, old school. Uh, cause this is a weird way to say it, but because of, because it's an archaic way to say it. it's a way that like would have made sense, you know, maybe hundreds of years ago. So we have to look at the King James version of the Bible, which is a different translation. I usually have the new living translation. We should talk about translations. I could spend a whole week talking about that. Um, I usually teach it from the NLT, New Living Translation, but you might have at home an NIV, New International Version. You might have ESV. You might have all kinds of different versions. The KJV, King James Version, um, it's not often used today. You know, in in our youth group, we won't really use it very much. Maybe your parents or maybe grandparents are really dedicated to their KJV uh, because it's an older translation and it is worded as such. It is worded in a way that uh, maybe we we kind of find it harder to understand. So, and this is why this sounds weird to us. In Psalm 113.3, it says, from the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Exact. This is a, a word for word quote from the King James Bible that we see in this song here. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. So the concept there though makes sense. From the rising sun to the setting sun, all day long, and and, you know, night is implied here as well. It's not just he's faithful just during the day. (laughs) Like all the time, no matter what, I will praise his name. No matter what time of day it is, I will praise him because he deserves it. So if this one sounded weird to you, Now you know where it comes from. Let's get uh, one more thing from this song. In verse one, it says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you've proven you'll do just what you said. Now we've established God is faithful to fulfill his promises, but to understand this particular promise or covenant, which is a Bible-y word to say promise, that's the idea. We have to go back to the book of Genesis because the God of Abraham is said here for a particular reason. It's talking about a particular covenant, a particular promise. So God gives, if you go all the way back, he gives Adam and Eve reign over the Garden of Eden. And he says, all right, you got one rule, but ultimately this is yours. Take care of my land. Love me. We're so connected. And that was the way things were. And Adam and Eve messed that up. They had one rule. They didn't follow the rule. They ate from the tree they weren't allowed to eat from. And when they did that, it introduced sin and death into the world and created a disconnect between God and man. They were so close. Adam and Eve were so close to God. It, it describes them as of like walking hand in hand through the meadow. You know, like some of that's me, but, but the, the biblical picture is very similar to that. They were just so close. And when they sinned, they got embarrassed. They hid from God. And they're like, this, this, their relationship was never the same. It was completely disconnected. And so God wasn't happy about leaving it that way. So he decided he needed to reintroduce himself to humanity. He says, I'm going to fix this connection between God and man. And I'm going to do that. He had to introduce himself to one person, right? And then, you know, that grows into his people, the Israelites. And now today, anyone can be grafted into his kingdom. But at the time he had to start somewhere. So he started with a man named Abraham. You might know him. He had many sons. I'm one of them. So are you, etc. And so you read about the life and death of Abraham uh, in the book of Genesis 12 through 25. We get a lot of business with Abraham. Specifically, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we, this is the meat of the covenant. This is like the main idea. And lots of times God will pop in and add to it and kind of suggest, hey, there's going to be land involved and hey, there's circumcision involved and like there's this whole thing. But this is the main idea in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. 
I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So over and over again, God is giving promises to Abraham, and he is making good on those promises. Over and over again, he says, I am, I am faithful to you. I, you can trust me. These covenants, these promises that we made, you can trust me to come through. And there's one that he said, Abraham, you're going to have a kid. And Abraham's like, I'm a hundred years old. And God is like, I know. <laughs> and you can still trust me to do it. And he did. He did trust him and he did do it. So we are the children of Abraham. He says, like, when you follow Jesus, when you make the decision to make Jesus a part of your life, the part of your life, you are grafted into this family. He says, you, you know, he says, uh, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. That means we all have access to God. And it started with Abraham. And when we follow Jesus, we are being adopted into Abraham's family. That's, that's the main idea. We're adopted into this family that is blessed by God. Eternal life after death, abundant life on this side here on earth. He'll do just what he said. So I said, we're going to look at more than two songs, less than three. And that's because I want to look at one small piece at a song we already looked at. Um, the song is God of Revival. And we talked about the song the first week, but one of the tools that I'd like to prepare you with as we talk about worship in general that applies to many, many different songs, this song illustrates really, really well. It has a really good example of it. And so I wanted to come back to this song just to talk about it. Um, technically, the interlude of God of Revival, the lyrics are, oh, oh, oh. God of revival. Now, simple, beautiful, <laughs> and something we see a lot in worship, right? Like you may have noticed O's and O's and ahs over in all kinds of different worship songs. And uh, maybe it's just like an O in like a line, like maybe it's just like the beginning of a verse or a, a line where it says, oh, something, oh, the overwhelming, you know, et cetera, reckless love. Um, or maybe it's a whole interlude here. We're going to sing it later, and you'll see this is a big moment in the song. We spend a lot of time in O's. So what is going on here? I think it's important for us to ask that question. What is this about? So when we're singing O's and O's and the occasional la, 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 whether it's an O or our woe is unimportant. They're all drawing us to one idea. The words themselves aren't the point, but they are, when we sing these words, we're being guided into an emotional moment. We're being guided into a place where words don't do the trick. It's an emotional thing because your favorite worship song has more to say. And sometimes it says things through words, through lyrics. Other times we're not singing through our mouths. We're singing with our hearts. And so this is one of those, one of those moments when, the, when we get to the oohs and ahs, we are singing an emotional experience. You'll even see this in the Bible sometimes, both so the Bible was not originally written in English, which is why we have all these different translations, because people are reading from Hebrew and Greek you know, versions, the original versions, or as close as we can come, and we get all these you know, English variants. But even the Hebrew and Greek languages have a word for O. Oh. <laughs> the way that we sing it in worship and the way it's translated in English, they are, that comes right from the original languages. And the, when they say O oh in the Bible, the writer is trying to show intense emotion or emphasis. Like that is what we do today. That was, that is the point today. And that was the point then that is, that is timeless. In the old Testament, we can look at Genesis nineteen eighteen, where it says, Oh no, my Lord, Lot begged. You can imagine the emotion of begging for something. And this is an emotional moment for a lot. And then in the new Testament, we can look at Romans eleven thirty three, where Paul says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. Paul is marveling 
at God's wisdom and knowledge. And he expresses that emotion with the word, oh, oh, how great. And we do this too. We do this as well. If you've ever been to a concert or a sports ball game or any other like group atmospheres, it, you woo. It just happens. We woo. And it's an overflow of emotion inside of us. It's a, it's, a, it's a result of the atmosphere that has been created for us to be vulnerable and intensely uh, emotional in a moment. We woo. And when you can't express those things with your words, we woo or woe or ooh or ah uh, and the occasional la la la. So anytime you find yourself singing these words, see these words in worship music, use that as an opportunity to sing with your heart. Sing from your heart in those times because it's an emotional moment in the song. So sing it that way. That's what it's meant to be. It's not just meant for you to be, oh, 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 oh. Like it's, it's, a, it's a time for you to, to forego the words. This isn't about particular lyrics at this moment. This is a time for you to connect with God on a more emotional level. You're not, it's not about the singing with your mouth. It's about singing from the heart. So I hope this conversation tonight and through this whole series that you have added more tools to your toolbox. We've got one more week to go, so don't hear me wrapping up. Um, but we want to give you tools in the toolbox to engage with God through music, through worship. Because it's cool if you can worship to like these songs better, but my real goal is for you to have the tools to engage in worshiping God through music in any song and in any service. That's my goal. So we're digging deeper behind the lyrics because your favorite worship song has more to say. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can learn about you through your word and that we have people today writing lyrics for us to sing to express our love and praise for you. Father, thank you that we have this opportunity to worship you, that we, through, your, through Abraham, you have reestablished your connection with humanity and we have access to you. We have access to our creator through worship. As you draw close to us, or as we draw close to you, you draw close to us. You meet us. So, Father, thank you for that privilege. And tonight, I pray that you help us to stay focused on you and to really engage in worship with you, really draw close to you, to feel your presence, to hear your voice tonight, Father. I pray that you continue to give us the tools to do that. We love you. We dedicate this night to you. I pray that our small group conversations are helpful. We learn something, and we uh, make a friend tonight, God. We dedicate it all to you. It's all about you. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.